This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, Episode 162. Good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster, and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what the title says it is, folks. It's a show where we focus on everything to do with fantasy and sci-fi books. We have space opera, epic fantasy, urban fantasy, military sci-fi, swords and sorcery. I mean, you name it. We bring you the best and brightest authors out there in the fantasy and sci-fi community, and we try to do it in every single episode. Okay, kicking off things this week, I will fill in you fill you in with what my up, author update is. I'm digging back in with the editing of Paramedics Sorceress. That's book nine in my Extreme Medical Services series. That should take me a couple of weeks to run through that a couple of times and fix some things and make sure it all makes sense. Um, then I send it off to the editor for a final once-over and the proofreaders, and then it'll be out for the readers, which I know a lot of people are excited about. So that means I should have it in people's hands in about a month and a half, maybe two months. So let's call it the end of May. Uh, Stay tuned here for more details. As I get a little closer, I will fill you in. And of course, you can always find out what I'm up to, including early looks at excerpts from books. Um, You can find out... um, cover reveals. We have giveaways every month. Um, All of that's available for you over in the Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. So go ahead and join that. Um, I post lots of things there and we talk about all kinds of things to do with fantasy, uh, fantasy TV shows, movies, and books that we love. So check it out. Okay, on this week's show, I chat with Cully Mack, a fantasy lover and student of myth. It's no wonder after completing her BA in English literature and creative writing and her master's in creative writing that she combined the two into The Voice That Thunders, an epic fantasy series she's written. When Cully's characters aren't invading her mind with unresolved conflicts and plot twists, she brings herself back into the real world where she enjoys traveling, reading, and walking her dog in the forest and a lot more. Cully is an advocate for following your dreams. So here's my interview with Cully Mack. Check it out. Cully Mack, it's great to have you on the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to to chat with you, and I'm excited to kind of dig into your books and and learn a little bit more about them. But um, before we do that, why don't you introduce yourself to the readers in the audience and tell us a little bit about um, your background? So um, I write under a pen name, which is Cully Mack, mainly because nobody would ever be able to pronounce my surname. And I've been writing my series, A Voice That Thunders, since around 2014. It's epic fantasy stroke high fantasy it's purely character driven um i uh yeah i i quit my job several years ago went to uni learned to write and things just moved on from there really excellent and that's um so do you consider yourself a full-time writer now um, I was initially for a couple of years and then I went back to work last year, the, towards the end of last year, I was made redundant due to COVID. I was actually managing homeless hostel at the time and 
pretty much everybody in England, I'm from England, by the way, right. pretty much everybody in England that was rough sleeping at the time were housed through government schemes, um, which left my, I couldn't open the centre I was running, obviously, because it was a community centre and we couldn't have everyone together. So my project closed and I was made redundant. So now I'm full time. I was planning to go full time anyway, but it's just come around a bit sooner than I anticipated. Sometimes life throws you, <laughs> you throws you those curveballs, and you, you have yeah. to roll with them, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, their series, a Voice That Thunders. Um, what's it about, and and how? What's the setting like? So it's about two siblings. They are Mira, who is an apprentice healer and she is 18 when the book starts and her brother Gabe is slightly younger he's 15 going on 16 and he's an apprentice carpenter they come from a small clan of people that live in rock shelters in like a, a bay area and um they get separated within the first couple of couple of chapters because Unbeknown to them, across the other side of the world, there have been these immortal beings that have come through portals and they're basically conquering the world. And it's, they've just stretched their forces over into this land and they've been forced into taking part in the war, basically, because their clan gets slaughtered, they get separated Mira gets taken back to one of the major cities, which is being run by one of the immortals. And she is being forced to serve in the immortals army as a water wielder. And her brother is on a quest to obviously find his sister. That's how it initially starts. And then it expands from there. Yeah, and it looks looks awesome. I mean, four books in the series, plus you have a yeah. prequel out, I know. Um, and, and that's exciting, so people can get a little taste of it, um, yeah. what, what goes on before, as well as the, the story itself. Now, is it completed four books, or are there going to be more? No. Do you know, I originally envisaged that it would be a trilogy, and uh, I'm now writing the fifth book, excluding the prequel, and I'm not even sure if I'm going to finish it in the fifth book. So it possibly will be six. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I've run into the same thing. You, you know, you, you, you open up enough open threads in the story and it's, it's hard to close them all out and, and yeah. leave us, leave a satisfying ending um, as quickly as you might've thought in the beginning. And um, so, you know, th the good news is for readers is that the story keeps going a little bit longer, yeah. um, you know, so that you, you can look forward to that next book and things coming out. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I'm a discovery writer, so I haven't even outlined a plot as such. I, When I started writing, I initially started writing about the brother Gabe and then the sister's story just took off and I, and I went with it. So for the first portion of the first book there's there's a huge section of that which follows the sister's storyline and then I broke the book into two parts and the second part of that book other characters come into play more and one of those is her brother Gabe and his his arc goes over the, co the course of the four books I've written at a slower pace than his sister's 
um, mainly because of the way that the structure, the arc of the story went and the development of the characters went. And um, I just, I find it really exciting way of writing when you don't really know what's going on and the characters start leading you and you don't know how, you know, I set up conflict, I think, I will, and then I wonder how the character will resolve it. That's sort of how I work. And I don't always know how the character is going to resolve it till I start writing the words on the page. And that obviously takes me into different directions and different territories that I hadn't plotted or planned. Um, but I am, it is very loosely based, I suppose, on a sort of hero's journey arc. But it spins off into different directions at times. No, I, I completely get it. I, I, I kind of bridge the gap between the discovery writing and, and, and plotting things meticulously. Um, and, and so I'm right there in the middle. I, I see it as more of a continuum than, a, than an either or kind of thing. Um, yeah. I think, I think and, and it changes for me depending on the project too. Um, some, some, some things I feel like I need to have more plot in, in the story ahead of time in my mind rather than some of the others just I write until they come to me. Yeah, I do tend to plot out because I do a lot of research into Mesopotamian mythology. So I do tend to plot out more the world around them, um, the world building, what I want the um, settings, you know, what sort of settings I want to have in my books, um, the mythologies that I embed in my books. Those sort of things are much more planned and researched and they do tend to guide the plot a little bit. But as far as the characters go, um, I don't know what they're going to do until they're doing it. I've I've had um, like a romance. I never planned to write romance. I've never read romance. I have now, but when I first initially started writing these books, it wasn't something I read. I was more into, um, I like Patrick Rothfuss, although he has a little bit of rom- romance. John Gwynne, um, Brandon Sanderson, um, Jordan. Those were the... the authors that I was reading and they're not really plot heavy on romance I never planned to have romance in my book but it appeared mainly as character development for one of my characters um it worked out really well I I tend to torture them a little bit I wouldn't say the romance in my book is happy ever after no well and you know it's, (laughs) it's a different thing between the romance genre of books and the need for a character to have a meaningful relationship of some sort that they, yeah. they're striving to fulfill. Um, I, I think, you know, one is a, a type of book and the other is a necessary fact of, of humanity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree. Agree there. So you yeah. mentioned Mesopotamian mythology. Why did you choose that particular mythos to, to kind of research for your books? Gosh, that's a good question. I think that initially I wanted to go back as far as mythology went, as you know, as far as recorded mythology has has been written down, um, because it, in my mind, even our today's culture, it all comes out of those things, the things that have preceded it, and I've, you know, we see a lot in sort of pop culture and other. Uh, other novels about greek mythology and roman mythology and all and and they're more you know they're more common and i just i knew that there was there was myths that were 
written before those times, which influenced those times. And I just wanted to go back to the earliest text that I could find. I can't read Akkadian or Sumerian. I have to totally rely on other scholars to give me the interpretations. But it's absolutely fascinating. And it's such a huge, it's so, it's very confusing, but it's such a huge mythos. And it's pretty much undiscovered as far as in, you know, today's literature goes. I've seen a few authors that have taken their take on certain aspects of some mythologies, but it tends to be more of a westernized um, take on the mythology. More, It comes down through more like of biblical roots. There's, um, there's a lot of similarities between some of the, the narratives in the Old Testament as there is into like ancient Babylonian, Akkadian and Sumerian texts. They cross over a lot. And, um, yeah, so I just wanted to, I wanted to have something that was showing both sides of the story. Whereas in westernized culture, I think we only really see the Semite version. I'm probably not explaining myself very well. It's such a huge topic. Oh, no, I, I just was curious um, because it's it's not something I've encountered. Like you said, so many people come at when they when they want to deal with a mythology or a mythological background, they they approach it from a Greco-Roman or as yeah. you said, a biblical or even a, even a Norse mythology. Yeah, um, and, and and so it's unusual to see. You know, some people come come in using um, Asian, different Asian philosophies or um, um, Indian mythology. Uh, yeah. But but I've never heard anybody that I've interviewed talk about Mesopotamian, and and that's kind of fascinating because I know there's a rich basis for the mythology there. It's huge. It's uh, huge, and it's so confusing because you've got so many cultures that are living side by side in sort of like the Fertile Crescent or the um, the Mesopotamian region, um, they're all living side by side. They're all with, you know, they're conflict, they're conquering each other uh, all, all in this time period. And their own cultures and values are constantly getting merged together and separated and people are being, <laughs> are being um, taken off to other lands and then brought back. And it's, it's absolute chaos. Um, and they've got so many gods and monsters and so many mythic traditions that it's just like this endless soup and a lot of the the gods they're the same gods but they have different names so it's, it's like a real puzzle trying to work out who's who who did what and I'm, I don't think I would ever get to the bottom of it but I just take what works for my story and um to give it flesh and to give to give it re, to give the story reason and a purpose, I think a lot embedded into my story, a lot of themes around like destiny. Um, are we? De- is there? A, do people have destinies? You know, what's the consequences of that? Does that mean people are predestined? Do they have free will and choices? And all, it just expands out. Um, and I don't necessarily give the answers in my book, but I pose the questions. Yeah, I, I remember a little of, of what I studied in, in college about, um, you know, the, 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 the cultures of that time frame in, in an ancient history course I took. Mm. Um, and, and I think chaotic is a great way to describe it. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, to have all of these cultures with very similar mythos behind them, 
but different names for different things. Um, yeah. you know, different names for the same things sometimes. And, um, yeah, I, I can only imagine how challenging that is as an author, but it also, I think gives you incredible freedom to take some liberties because, yeah. you know, there's a lot that isn't known that you can make your own assumptions about, I'm sure. There is. And I have, I mean, they, they, it's quite, people might recognize it with like Egyptian mythology where, cause we see a lot of the iconography from Egyptian mythology where they use a lot of, um, sort of animals that like their gods have got like dog or bird heads or things like that. It's similar in Mesopotamia. Um, they use something called the, they, they're various names, but they call them like bowl men. And they're a mixture of either humanoid bodies with bowl heads or vice versa. And so there is a scene in my third book where two of my characters end up in like a fighting arena and all different varieties of these mythic chimera, I would call them, um, all come into this arena and they're all fighting, but no, no one's dying because then they're all immortal. Um, but apart from the two people, my characters that have gone into this place, so they're not from this realm and they are mortal. So for them, the stakes are pretty high and very, you know, they can't risk dying, obviously. But it just the fun I had writing with the, um, with these, like, I don't even know, I would call them chimera. And there, there was such a variety. And some of the mythic creatures that I've put in my books, I've taken snippets from different myths and merged them together to come up with new creatures. I, one of the things I find hard to market is that in my books, there's nothing identifiable. I can't say that it's like Greek mythology or that... Um, or it's fae or anything like that, because none of the none of the creatures, the beasts, the monsters have ever been seen before. I can't compare it to anything, and it really struggle. I really struggle when I mark it in the books because of it. So, but I still wouldn't change it. No, and I, do and so. I don't think you need to. And, and I think you know, from a marketing side of things, is you know, I take off my author hat and put on my marketing business hat, and and I almost think you embrace that difference when you market it rather than trying to find yeah. similarities, but embrace it. Because I think some readers out there, there are a lot of readers out there that are looking for something that isn't the same old. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure they are. But how do you condense that down into like something that's small enough that somebody, you know, that's going to grasp somebody's attention and get across the concept within a few lines or, or something equivalent. It's, it's quite difficult. If I, you know, if I say, I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll say I, I write, I embed Mesopotamian mythology into my text and I could just get like raised eyebrows to say, what, what, what do you mean? What's, what is that? And, um, I'd almost that, say, you know, you, you, um, an epic fantasy tale embracing ancient earth cultures. Yeah. And leave it at that. They don't need to name yeah. it because like you said, they don't know what it is when you do name it. So, but if you say yeah. ancient earth cultures and mythology, wow, that, that could mean anything. And, and it tells them a little bit about which direction you're going. And so they're going to learn something yeah. along the way. So, um, that would be what I would do. Uh, because I think that that's something that, that people would like. I also always, I always find some of the best descriptions of my books in 
some of the reviews that are left for my books yeah. um, where, you know, some people have described my series way better than I could describe my series in just a few I find, weeks. <laughs> yeah. I find the same. So. I do. I find the same. I say, wow, that's really cool. You know, it's difficult, isn't it? To be objective with your own work. I'm, I'm my worst own worst self-critic. I'm, I'm horrendous. It's like nothing's ever good enough. I can always improve. So um, when you read a review and it's impacted on somebody and they've written it in such a way that's so clear and concise, it it always hits me. And I think, oh, I've actually made sense to somebody. (laughs) Well, and I remember when I first started, my first urban fantasy series is about paramedics who treat supernatural creatures. And at the time that came out, there was a TV show called Grimm about a cop. I know that program show. Well, and so I didn't make the connection. I watched the show, but I never really made a connection that was similar to my books in any way. And some, somebody left a review that said like grim, but with paramedics (laughs) and it was true. It was like, I guess that's right. I've not got that yet. I think maybe that's what's missing for me. I've not got a comparison. I mean, I can, I can have comparisons in the sense that it's got tropes that you would find in other fantasy novels. Um, but I, I couldn't even say what writing style it's similar. I mean, I could say that it's written in third person and um, that there's multiple points of views and things like that. But when I think of other authors and I've, I'm pretty well read, I can't think of something I'd, I'd say you know, something like, you know, pick an author that you think the stories or, you know, over an, on an overarching sense or like, like, um, yeah. you know, epic fantasy in the lines of Brandon Sanderson and, yeah. you know, use that as your kind of tag and, um, ex- come explore, come explore ancient mythologies and cultures as, um, our characters try to save their world and, you know, mm. then you can do your basic description below that, but at least that'll catch capture the Brandon Sanderson readers and the people who know what those books are like. And, and, you know, that's, those are always some of the things you need to, cause you're right. It's hard for people to discover what, what's out there. And so you have to find something to compare it to, but it doesn't have to be exactly like that thing. It can be, you know, a sweeping epic fantasy. So pick somebody who writes sweeping epic fantasies and, and, tie tie your book yeah. to, to similarities to them yeah i have tried in places i mean i've got i haven't got dragons in my book because but what i have got a dac they're called dacter and they are dragons but they're just not called dragons and they've got they're, they're more reptilian they're a bit like a like something that was before a pterodactyl for example um but you know if you were to describe them i would just that they're described similar in a similar way to a cross between a pterodactyl and a dragon. But because it's not a dragon, I don't want to mislead people into thinking that I've written a book with dragons in. Because it's not, technically. It doesn't breathe fire. It's got none of the tropes that you would associate with dragons. You could say something like, before dragons, there were dactyls. Yeah. You know, which, it's letting people know this is a proto-dragon. This is the you know, the before dragons oh, creatures, yeah. um, which, which gives them, you know, it's like a dragon, but it's not like any dragon you've ever seen before. Um, so. yeah, but, um, it's, it, you know, it, it, these are all fun things. I mean, it's the challenges of, of, of 
helping people discover our books. And it's one of the reasons I try to do the show is to give readers and, and even other authors an opportunity to see what else is out there. So, um, I'm, I'm glad we were able to pull together and get a chance to talk about this. People should look out for voice that thunders. Um, you're working on book five now, you said, which is exciting. Um, when do you think that'll be coming out? Um, I'm hoping to get it out sort of autumn at the latest by the end of the year. But it t- it took me quite a number of years to write the first four books, but I didn't publish them until I published the first one in 2019. But I already had the second one written and the third one, the first draft was done. So I've sort of caught up with my writing now a little bit. So um, I think it's going to take me a little bit longer in between publications to get them published. Well, I hope people will take a take a chance and go out there and, and read your books. It sounds fascinating and, and and find something new than the same old, same old. Um, so that's that's always exciting. Um, where can people yeah. find you online? That's a good place to catch up with you and interact. I am on I'm on all the normal ones. I'm on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, I'm on Goodreads. Obviously, I've got author page on Amazon. My books are um, sold through Amazon. Uh, I haven't got a website at the moment. So, uh, and I've got email, which is uh, some email, cullimac at outlook.com. Fairly simple one. <laughs> Great. Well, I, I encourage people to go check out your books. There'll be links to everything in the show notes so they can catch up with you. And um, Cully, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you here on the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. And that's going to wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I hope you'll catch up with us for a whole lot more from the whole fantasy and sci-fi focus community. You can find that Facebook group over on Facebook and, of course, also over at our website, fantasy-focus.com. Leave a comment on this episode while you're over there. Let me know what's on your mind. Also, while you're over on the website, don't forget on each podcast episode post, there are links to subscribe to the show right below the audio player at the top of each episode page. So whether you're on iOS or Android, even if you want to subscribe by email, you can do that with those links. So don't miss an episode. We've got some great authors coming up for you, including our next episode with author Leslie Schwartz. Anyway, that's it for this episode, though. Um, This episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast is over, and uh, I'm your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over on Facebook in my Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers group or at my website, jamiedavisbooks.com, where if you want to get a free book and check out my writing, you can do that. Just sign up for the newsletter. There's a link in the right-hand side of the column on the website there. Whatever you do, though, subscribe to the podcast. Come back here for our next episode. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep your eyes open out there, folks, because there's magic all around you.